verses in all of sacred scripture. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that God gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. May God bless our understanding of this sacred text. Let us pray. Wind of God sweeping across generations to claim us, may we be born of the Spirit. Speak to us of heavenly things in the midst of our earthly pilgrimage so we may live, not for ourselves, but for the well-being of the whole creation. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. I recently heard a retelling of this story. You may have heard it. It's a good one. The Jewish novelist Chaim Potok said that from a very early age, he had always wanted to be a writer. 
But when he went to university, his mother said, Kime, I know you want to be a writer, but I have a better idea. Why don't you become a brain surgeon? You'll keep a lot of people from dying, and you'll make a lot of money. Kime replied, no, Mama, I want to be a writer. This conversation was rehearsed every time Kime saw his mother, and every time it would go the same. Kime, I know you want to be a writer, but listen to your mama. Be a brain surgeon. You'll keep people from dying. You'll make a lot of money. Every time, no, Mama, I want to be a writer. The exchanges continued until finally his mother just exploded. Kime, you're wasting your time. Be a brain surgeon. You'll keep people from dying. And you'll make a lot of money. Kime angrily replied, Mama, I don't want to keep people from dying. I want to show people how to live. Time Potok went on to write more than a dozen beautiful books that return time and time again to matters of faith, inheritance, doubt, suffering, and love. His novels may not have saved lives in the literal sense, but as one whose heart split open wide the first time I read Davida's Harp, he certainly fulfilled his calling to show people how to live. There is more to life than not dying, and more to eternal life than what awaits after death. Jesus shared the novelist's calling to show people how to live. Jesus is the word who became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus came to offer abundant life. In our gospel story today, Nicodemus asks fair, honest, even good questions. Nothing Jesus is saying here makes any sense. It didn't then and it doesn't now. Whatever does it mean to be born from above? How can these things be? Nicodemus is no dullard. He is a faithful man with a brilliant mind and enough street smarts to know that the safest time to visit the rogue rabbi named Jesus is by cover of night. Nicodemus's lack of understanding is not a failure of intelligence. It's a failure of imagination. Faith requires imagination. Maybe it's easier to begin with hope, which, like faith, is utterly dependent on a robust imagination. Many of us watched that news story that aired this week featuring the Congolese family that was reunited through the hard work of Refugee One and our own First Congo Refugee Resettlement Group. For many long years, many, long years, the family lived in a refugee camp in Tanzania. And for the past five years, they were separated by oceans. The father still in Tanzania, his wife and child in the United States. How could they survive 
each day of such unimaginable hardship without imagination, without the capacity to imagine their one-day resettlement and reunion. Likewise, I know I survived, endured the bleakest days of our long lockdown by conjuring in my mind's eye the day we would gather again to break bread and sing hymns. Hope requires imagination. And so, too, does faith. Maybe this feels like more of a stretch. We don't often talk about the role of imagination in the life of faith. But a friend said something this week that stopped me in my tracks. If you approach the Lord's table without imagination, you're going to miss what it means. I can tell you that the bread is the body of Christ, that the little thimble full of Welch's grape juice is the cup of the new covenant. But to believe those things to be true, you have to let your imagination off leash. So often in our culture, we diminish the imagination. You must be imagining things. We say to the small child, convinced he's heard a rumbling in the closet. But we worship a God who is first and foremost extraordinarily imaginative. After all, God imagined all of creation and formed us in God's own image and instilled in us this incredible capacity for creativity. And just as we will miss what's happening in communion if we fail to bring our imaginations to the feast, so too will we miss what is happening in this gospel story. Jesus is pointing to a deep reality that cannot be seen with the naked eye, but that is no less real than wind and water. To be to believe in this unseen reality, we must imagine it. To receive the gift of God's eternal spirit-drenched life, we must imagine it. To be born from above or born again, as the line is often translated, we must imagine it. And we must trust that our imagination is witness to the truth. Faith requires imagination. To be clear, a faithful imagination is no mere game of make-believe. We are not pretending. Just as Albert Einstein claimed that the true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination, so too is imagination a true sign of faithfulness. Lives are saved by skilled brain surgeons and visionary novelists. Birth is for bodies as well as for minds and spirits. These are not mutually exclusive categories, reason on one side and faith on the other. So yes, echoing the words of Jesus, do not be astonished 
be amazed. And above all, be open. As the poet Jan Richardson writes, born again? Oh yes, I was, am, long to be again and again. To know the tracing and retracing, making and remaking, shedding and unloosing, renaming of heart and flesh and soul. To know and see and taste anew, drenched in wisdom's waters, delighting in her spirit continually. May it be so. May it be so. Amen.